Welcome to Turd Polisher, the podcast where we take a journey into the vast depths of the psyche of our guest and then talk about the song they least love. Our guest today is a very talented musician. He plays in such bands as RX Bandits, The Sound of Animals Fighting, and Peace Out. Please welcome my friend, Steve Choi. Hello, Steve. Hello. Thanks for having me. That was a new intro, Gabe. I do, I do a new I intro every time. Yeah. I got to think of different, you know, different shit. <laughs> Different shit to yeah. say. Maybe if they I like discover the this. Thank you. If they discover this episode first, you'd be like, oh, deep, deep dive into the psyche. Yeah. Okay. Um, okay. Steve, when I asked you your least favorite song, pretty much immediately you were like, probably There She Goes by The Laws. And then you were like, well, but maybe I have like a hundred other songs I hate just as much and I need to like get back I'm to you. I'm a hater. That's what that's what you said. Yeah, and you know, um, I tried to stay positive too, but there's a lot of things I dislike. Sure, I get it. And um, we ended up sticking with "There She Goes." Did we not? Yes, we did. I had to stay true to my first instinct, and you know, didn't want to overthink it because. This is a delicate thing, you know, kind of trying to uh, reckon with something you have mainly negative feelings for. So, yeah. Okay. And what is your, you know, what's your relationship with this song? What's up? What does this song mean to you? Where does it take you? What What is the deal here? I actually remember <clears throat> when the music video for this first came out. Because, you know, as a kid, as a child of the 80s, I watched a lot of MTV. Watched a lot of MTV in the time where it was mostly just music videos and... um Although there is stuff on the surface that's very appealing about the song, uh, you know, nice guitar sound, easy, palatable uh, guitar lick melody, and somewhat catchy for like the first time around uh, vocal part. Even then I was like thinking, is this all the song does? (laughs) Really? Like there's not even a second part and it seems so long. It wasn't a good first impression. So this song came out in 1988, I believe. So I was three years old. Um, I didn't get it at MTV until I was about six years old. So I guess my question about okay. that is, how, how often did it, did it run in the rotation? Like, how often was it like, there she goes again? Well, um, here, I, I have some song facts. All right, so the song is, of course, There She Goes by The Laws. It is written by Lee Mavers. Mavers? I don't know. It was first released in 1988, and then it was re-released in 1990. And it was the 1990 version. Sorry, it's not a different version, but uh, the 1990 release is the one that really uh, caught on, right? That clicks. Yeah, that, that clicks, clicks yeah. now. And, and I feel like that's when, in 1990, is when I saw the the video running for it on MTV. Yeah, And the video itself was 
true to the song. It was very singular and basic. And apparently there's two videos. There's a, an 88 video and a 1990 video also. Solid. <laughs> yeah. So as far as... So as far as... Uh, Chart success, this hit number 13 on the UK singles chart in 1990. Um, it was number two on the Billboard Alternative Songs chart and number 49 overall in the Hot 100. Uh, Sixpence None the Richer covered it in 1999. That one peaked at number 32 on the Hot 100. That's actually the version I heard first. I okay, think. Yep. Okay. I mean, I probably, I guess that's the version I was aware of first. Um, I believe that was on a movie soundtrack, I think wasn't so. it? Which is yes. why it got popular. So, yeah. Uh-huh. Yeah. It, it was on So I Married an Axe Murderer soundtrack. This version and not the None the yeah, Richer were... whatever version, but then another band. Uh, <laughs> oh, none I, the rich. I looked it up and I sent it to you. We laughed about Shit. it. What were they called? Oh, oh it's, a, it's, a ska, it's a ska band. It's, um, it's not the Blue Meanies, but it's. Uh, the, Boo, the Boo Radleys. The Boo Radleys. And the, the version is really similar. And, and I had that soundtrack as a kid. And I love that soundtrack. And, and it, it actually really confused me that there were two versions of the song on it. Was like, it like book, book ended yeah, the yeah. album, you know? And what I loved yeah. about the album was like the, the, you know, the beat poetry for, by Mike Myers. The like, this poem uh-huh. sucks beat poetry. I, I love yeah. that, that stuff. Woman. Yeah, a couple yeah. more things. Um, so Rolling Stone called this song a, uh, quote-unquote, a founding piece of Britpop's foundation. Kind of, kind of a redundant <laughs> sentence there. And then NME in 2007 dubbed it the number 45 of the 50 greatest indie anthems of all time. And a bit of <laughs> lore behind the song is that it's rumored to be about heroin, the she being heroin. Uh, but the band has on record said that's not what it's about in multiple interviews. <laughs> You're like, I hey. hey. I assure you it's about a woman. Yeah. She. She, yeah. There she goes. Oh, okay, okay. Yeah, we believe you. A suit sat them down and told them that uh, this song might sell more if you say it's about heroin. Totally, heroin's hot yeah. Right and, yeah. 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 And then like, I saw in- that another member denied that and was like, yeah. no, not really. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Now, yeah, in 1988, sure, yeah, there she goes. Yeah, but in 90, it's heroin, baby. Oh, Why? and Navid, I sent you uh, earlier... Just a little thing I found in my 10 seconds of yeah. research. 10 seconds. <laughs> I'm going to make a 10 seconds of research jingle yeah. too. 10 seconds of research. <laughs> 10 seconds of research. Okay. Fucking Jesus. I was just like, uh, because I played it for Melinda. And Melinda's like, yeah, I think I recognize this song from a soundtrack. and But it wasn't So I Married an Axe Murderer. And then so I just looked up like, there she goes, soundtrack. And it was like, as a soundtrack, this has been in Pete and Pete. The, it's in Gilmore Girls pilot. Do you have, have that it. in front okay. of you? Okay, it has appeared in several okay. film soundtracks, including The Parent Trap, Fever Pitch, Girl Interrupted, Cold Case, The Adventures of Pete and Pete, Snowy Day, and So I Married an Axe Murderer, <laughs> and then the opening pilot episode of Gilmore Girls. Uh, also, I love the like just the audacity of saying Parent Trap without saying the like Lindsay Lohan right. remake, because <laughs> it makes it seem like this song is like this... Vampire. That's just been, yeah. If, well, okay. So the Laws first released the song back in like uh, 1964 yeah. with the Parent Trap. Then 20 years later they released it again. Then three years later they released it again. 
You see? They really uh, got the most out of this song. This is a continuation on a theme for myself and I found out before you got on, um, Steve, my friend Navid here. We both liked this song, I think, before this. (laughs) (laughs) And now that I've given it a little deeper dive, I'm starting to empathize with you on your relationship with the tune a little bit more. But I understand the the complex nature that of relationships that we have with songs, you know? You can analyze something and understand that by our kind of like general, subjectively objective rules about music, uh, something that is really like crappy or not, but still enjoy it, you know? It's like, like having a guilty pleasure with food, you know what I mean? You know it's crap, but you're like, I just like the taste of it. So I also understand people who, you know, and I've had a couple people that I've told that I've... Ch- uh, about choosing this song, say, oh, admit that it's kind of crappy, but they're like, I like it. I'm like, well, that's fair. You yeah, know? no, I like, I mean, I, I think I would be in that in that camp when you told me you hated it. I said, I like that song. I, I think it's good. I So I married an axe murderer soundtrack twice. The song's so nice, it's on there twice. The thing is, is that I think it's valued as a chorus. And because the song is just a bunch of choruses stacked on top of each other. There's not even a verse to the song. And now that I've learned about all these applications and re-releases, basically it was found to be so marketable that they literally managed to write an original yet stock song. Yeah. It's like just, and you can just replace anything with it. And, you know, I guess musicians like us are always kind of striving to create something unique and original. But mm-hmm. music is such a big and complex thing that I also understand that there's people that don't approach it like that. And they're just like, I just want to make something so widely palatable and accessible. And I want it to reach the largest number of people I can. I want it to be simple. And I want it to be, like I said, just accessible. But that's what makes the song wildly annoying to me. And that's why I, I fucking hate it. Yeah, it's funny to think that this was alternative. Yeah. Back in 1990. Yeah. Yeah. 1990 as um, well, but, not 1992. Yeah. <laughs> right, right. Well, and, and, you know, at the risk of, of uh, generalization here, like, it's Britpop, you know, like, maybe what was going on in the alternative scene in Britain as opposed to here. Like, you know, America and Britain, we've always been inspiring each other, maybe. You know what I mean? There's always been trading the rock and roll culture back and forth. So, you know, we talk about the 90s as an era of music, but, like, the difference between music in 1990 and 1999 is way different. It's Massive. you know, it's vast. Yeah. Huge leap. Oh man, I mean 1990 you got uh you got to get yourself connected. If you make sure you're connected. And then 1999 you got like Limp Biscuit going on. Stereo MCs to Limp Biscuit. That's a big jump. It is. Yeah, and there's some other stuff going on there too. A couple other bands came out in the 90s too. I can't think of any right now, but <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I wish I could. Movements, you know. Yeah, if only I could just think of like one. That would be really good for the podcast, but I just, I, uh... All right, and then so for me, like, there she goes. Like you said, it's lo- it seems long. It's only about three minutes long, right? Naveen, what's our it's, length here? Like 3.30? No, it's under three. Wow, under three. It's 2.40, I think, isn't it? Yeah. 2.40 something and some change. And honestly, that's... Two minutes too long. Yeah. <laughs> I'm not. You can get the whole point of the song across in two passes of the yeah. chorus. Again, if, if there was some justification, there's like some sort of lyrical theme, but the, the lyrics are so vapid 
that they're even arguing about what it's over. Mm-hmm. People are trying to give it yeah, meaning yeah. rather than extrapolate meaning from it. <laughs> that's like, that's uh, just another reason this song is, oof. It's timeless, you know. I, I think they could re-release it again as like a ringtone. It could just be that 40 seconds, you, you know. You said it, man. Timeless, yeah. like plastic is timeless. Yeah, yeah. So hopefully in like 10,000 years from now, we won't even know what this song is anymore, you know. That's something to look forward yeah. to. Uh, you know, it's funny because a lot of the songs that come up for people, and this comes up every time, often the songs that are generally disliked are quite long. Hotel California, American Pie. These songs are epic in length, and they seem even longer. So this one's really a funny one because <laughs> that's like a punk song. I mean, two, 240, that's like yeah. nothing. That's like any radio station could play that through any era of time. That's perfect length, but it does feel quite long. But it's not. So sometimes a solution in the covering process is we're like, well, that song's so long. We got to shorten it. This song, I wonder, what are you thinking for a cover, Steve? Well, <laughs> my brain went a lot of different places. But the, the length I was thinking about, too, because when you say 240, yeah, it doesn't seem that long. But when something is so one-dimensional and it's that arduous mid-tempo... And there's four rounds of the whole guitar lead before any of the song comes in. (laughs) Four whole rounds. That's eight measures with the quarter note at the mid-tempo. That's eight measures per round. So that's 32 measures of instrumental before the drums even come in. And then even through in between the choruses, they put these periods of instrumental, that same arduous mid-tempo instrumental, and it's painful. It it creates a time warp. It slows time down. I feel like <laughs> I've dedicated 10 minutes to this song after listening to it once. So to answer your question, I, I'm down to speed it up. <laughs> I was going to go the other way on it. I think we've got to make this longer. <laughs> I'm, just I'm, okay. I li- I'm okay with doing that too. Honestly, I'm not opposed to that. One part of this song, <laughs> me digging deeply for positives about this song, as is my role, um, <laughs> There's a part where where it goes to E minor, I think, right? Is that what we we think, Navid, for like one time? It's one of the things that's second to last uh, time through the the one part of the song. The The singing stays exactly the same, but the, you know, the chord progression underneath changes to sort of this minor, and it's sort of nice. And then it goes, bum, 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 bum. (laughs) back into <laughs> it reminds me of the opposite of lucy in the sky with diamonds you know lucy in the sky with diamonds it's very yeah beautiful um, oh have you heard of the beatles i'm sorry i didn't mean it to sound so um <laughs> just got into them bro just got into them. dude you gotta check out yellow submarine it will blow your mind oh i heard that's um, one of their more complex yes. tunes i like that yeah and the movie is deep. It's deep, man. <laughs> okay. Anyway, though, I know you've heard of the Beatles, but so Lucy in the Sky with Diamonds is like, it's so pretty and like minor and I love it. And then the chorus comes in. You're like, what the fuck is happening? It's turned yeah. upside down. The chorus of that song is horrendous. And this song reminds me of the chorus. You hate that uh, chorus? Oh God, Lucy in the Sky with Diamonds? Yeah. And the, I mean, I like, mean, it is one four five, but it it's you hate it actually. You know, it's funny. Like as a child, I hated it. You know, the Beatles. I mean, I feel like they're famous for like 
they basically invented like song structure as we know it. And that song has the worst yeah. structure. It's like a child wrote it. It's like two children that couldn't agree wrote it. And they're like, dude, fine. Just put your part. We'll just go like, do, do, do. And then your part will just like happen. And then <laughs> we'll use that same transition to get back to my part. And my part's good. We know your part's not good. Yeah. And you know what? I think, I mean, that's a, probably a pretty good song to do an episode on because it's probably divisive. I bet if you ask someone else, you're like, it is. yeah, you know, the verse, the verse is kind of scary, but I love the chorus. I, <laughs> chorus reminds or me, there she goes. Somebody like me who understands like the fact that they can uh, transition parts so well using like really complex chord structures, when they make abrupt changes like that, I always looked at it as, wow, that's bold. Like, I like that. So it's fascinating to hear your take on it because obviously that makes sense too. But And plus, honestly, compared to There She Goes, even that being one of the most simple Beatles songs is like Rachmaninoff compared to There She Goes still. <laughs> yeah. so. No, I know, I know. There's no use being too comparative. But I would love to hear a re... <laughs> I should work on this. Okay, you take Lucy in the Sky with Diamonds, just the chorus, for two minutes, and then you give me just a taste of the verse, and then back to the chorus for the next 40 seconds. So it's the same kind of, you know, we're looking like the same, there she goes. I bet you, you would hate it deeply. And that one part that's like minor, you'd be like, that's actually pretty nice. Dude, yeah. I don't want <laughs> you can take this out, but I heard that Lucy in the Sky with Diamonds is actually like a euphemism for LSD. <laughs> Have you guys heard that? Beatles didn't do drugs, no, wait, man. Dude, come, come on. There's a lot of parallels I'm seeing in this song now with the whole like, is it a lady or is it drugs, I, man? You never know, you know? There she goes. I, Lucy? I, I don't know. Drugs. I, I don't get it. How how would you compare a, a woman to drugs? <laughs> I don't know, man. I'm not the Beatle. Wow. That's deep, bro. Damn. Yeah, man. I'm... I'm I'm the walrus, man. You know, think about that one too. What's that about? But the walrus Deep. goes like make some weird cuckoo song sound or whatever. Yeah. Like, dude, and then what's an Eggman? And then like that Beastie Boy song, Eggman. Is that like a reference to the Beatles song or what? Like, what's going on there? See, crazy. Man. This is another testament to how boring there she goes is. It's forcing us to go on these tangents. <laughs> it this, the song itself. It's forcing us yeah. away. It's saying, talk to talk about something else. Find a comparison to speak <laughs> about it negatively. That's more interesting than the main subject itself. <laughs> yeah, man, that's just that just shows the the abstract power of the of the tune. It's powerful. It pushes itself out of your mind. That's why it's called "There She yeah. Goes." Like she is the song, and she's trying to escape right. your brain. <sighs> but something about her. Kind of gets stuck in there. And and just when you think it couldn't get worse, you actually start going through the lyrics and, whoa, man. What are the lyrics? Well, I mean, I don't think we really need to go through the main <laughs> chorus, but there's a, basically, aside from she pulsing through my veins and I just can't contain this feeling that remains, the only other variation, there she goes again, she calls my name, pulls my train no one else could heal my pain. Oh no, I'm like realizing this song is actually definitely about heroin and it's making me really sad. <laughs> oh my God. Yeah, those are the lyrics that are highlighted in the uh, pro-heroin arguments. Oh my God, what yeah. is Is happening? this the number, or is, or is heroin the number 23 of song subject yeah. matter? Ooh, you yeah. know what I mean? So. I, my question is, uh, Steve, do you like this type of music generally? Kind of like jangle guitar, pop stuff i'm i'm a yeah. fan i love the charlatans 
I Like Ride. Fast you look so strong Fun you fight away I like uh, Big Star Won't you let me walk you home from school I like the Verve I like Oasis. Anyway, here's Wonderwall. I may I may not be the most well versed on Britpop, but I definitely thoroughly enjoyed it. For sure. Yeah. Uh, you just named like seven Britpop bands <laughs> I've never even heard of. So, <laughs> kudos to you. What the I'm fuck old, is an bro, Oasis, dude? It's a it's a Noel Gallagher yeah. cover band. Gallagher's the fruit guy, right? Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> yep. Cool. Oh, they had that smash hit back in the day, right? About the watermelon. Okay, please cut <laughs> yeah, that no, out that's, of that's, this that's fucking removed. podcast. <laughs> cut it out. Hey, thank you. Oh, come on now. Cut it out. Quit it. Come on, knock it off. <laughs> Uncle Joey. Yeah. Cut yeah, for, for the fans at home, we're all doing it. The physical cut it yeah. out. Dude, let's talk about that for a second. <laughs> I heard that, that you ought to know. Yeah, 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 ought to know. All of Jagged Little Pill, in fact, is about Uncle Joey, dudes. Yeah, Dave Coulier. About him terrorizing Alanis Morissette? Yes. Yeah, dude, but they were together and then they broke up and she was like, guess what? I'm calling my oh, friend Flea and my friend gnarly. Taylor Hawkins and we're going to shred your whole fucking... <laughs> Reputation, dude. It's over. He was the worst part of Full House, and cut it out was that there she goes of Full House. <laughs> oh, shit. Even as a kid, I was like, that's not funny. Okay, yeah. but have mercy. I mean, have mercy. Have mercy. I loved that when I yeah. was a kid. <laughs> yes. Dude had a sick studio. That's like a $10 million house in San Francisco. And that is the recording studio Uncle Jesse's or Uncle Joey's? Because Uncle, Uncle Joey was doing Jesse and the Rippers. But he was recording stuff for the radio too. You know, he well, was doing his voices. That was he had his own studio with Jesse and the Rippers for like a couple episodes, and then they joined forces and created that jingle team for uh, advertising, where they were like making music for ads yeah, and yeah, stuff yeah. later on. And so they kind of right. shared that studio then. But yeah, I never, I, I don't really know though. I didn't really watch that show much. Or anything. <laughs> totally, I could not name Kimmy Gibbler. Or any other character from that show, if you ask me to, I, w- I would just. <laughs> it's like Kimmy Gibbler is just like Steve Urkel. Yeah. I, I don't know, man. There's a lot of conspiracies deep in There She Goes, man. Uh, all right, so we've talked about this song for almost four seconds and a lot of other shit. Now, if we can get back to There She Goes, what's up with the cover? Well, here's the, where the divide comes in my mind, which is, I wanted to go in two different directions. One direction would be to kind of like, and I only split them into two because I wanted to make making the cover feasible rather than turning it into some massive thing because we want to find this balance, this delicate balance of like making a cool cover, but not devoting too much of our lives to there she goes. So um, Yeah, sure. I guess you'll help me figure this out, which is one direction potentially could be. One direction. That's what makes you <laughs> keep it <laughs> melodically and harmonically like with the chords similar yet okay. within the chord structure itself i i would want to make the parts like way more gnarly maybe like a really uh, greedy guitar part 
tapping a lot of notes because the chords are so simple. Uh, we can maybe go with a crazier drum beat. I, I think I we might have discussed this a little bit. Um, and then, you know, just kind of go far out like uh, Don Caballero. Version of There She Goes. Or it might something that could fit in with uh, your idea of possibly lengthening the song is totally ripping the guts out melodically and harmonically and basically retrofitting the melody over a completely different chord progression and just going way far out with it. Or I guess we could find a, a marriage of different ratios, I guess, of those two. So you, I don't know what you think about that. I love both those ideas. You know, uh, something that comes up for me in covers is... I don't want to get to the point where we did a cover and it's <laughs> as infectious as There She Goes seems to be. It sneaks in, you know. We were working on an episode for this podcast and I won't mention the song or the person, but Navid and me and this guest must have sent six versions of the thing. Like, here's an idea for a new direction. And it was just the same fucking yeah. thing. It was like the same. It, it all <laughs> snuck. The melody was so infectious it snuck in there. And it was like, dude, did you just like just do a straight rip of this song. We we all did. It was actually really messing with me. Still is. So, okay. I like both those ideas a lot. So the good thing about it ripping a bit is um, it'll, it could be shorter that way too. I was going to say the same thing. I would be okay with saying there she goes a lot less times in the cover. <laughs> I'm super okay with that. Cool. Because, you know, like <laughs> when you look at like the, the lyrics written, Yes, they are right. There she goes. There she goes. There she goes. There she goes. But you really don't need to say it that many times. You could just we could just sing it once. You know, it's too much. It's just far too much. What about tempo? Are we? I guess it's, are we going faster? Kind of ripping like that much, or are you like you're liking the tempo that's at? Like, I, I would like to go faster just so that we can cut it to halftime in parts, and the halftime still has some bounce to it. If if we're gonna mm. go that direction. So if we if we lock it, if we keep it at that mid tempo, it's it's so it's stodgy. It's not much you can do with it, you know. So I think if we liven it up, increase the tempo significantly, then we can also have cool halftime parts. Which I think I guess if we're trying to make like a more frenetic, rocking, busy song, it's cool to have halftime in that. I always enjoy that. I don't know how you guys feel about that, but that could be cool. I'm okay with it. Navid, what yeah, about no, you? So that sounds great. Yeah, I think uh, like almost overplaying is a good thing, just so something's happening. Yes. It's a way for me to indulge, because I understand that my, what, what I came to understand is that my dislike of the song is that it really goes against my musical sensibilities mm-hmm. and my creative sensibilities, which is I'm never, and I understand that I'm just tiny old me doing my little thing, so... It really made me reckon with that. But my thing is to always try and make stuff that's original, that's challenging, that's not for as many people, you know, that I can be not only satisfied, but really stoked on every single person, whether it's two people or a thousand people that connect with what I'm doing, you know? And so these songs, I guess it's my own selfish view that's like, why would you waste your time doing that? You know, not understanding uh, that, you know, Everybody is so different that they can create wildly annoying music like this and be satisfied too. And so, yeah, yeah. I mean, the goal of the the goal of the cover is to make a version of this song that you like. I accept. Yeah, and and you know, hopefully, there's it repairs this part of you that's you know you think about this song and you're like, 
ah, there she goes. Yeah. And so yeah. they're like, oh, no, there she goes. No. Yeah. <laughs> it's a lot of it lives in the stylistic choices they make because it's not like I don't like simple music, too. I love a lot of simple music. That's even three chords, you know? Oh, yeah. I love the Ramones. I, wanna be I like the Misfits. You know what I mean? Like everything, the like little peaks at falsetto, the vapid lyrics, it it all kind of comes together to make this this thing that's mm-mm. <laughs> mm-mm. That's cool, man. <laughs> I love it. I I mean, I have a friend, basically everyone that meets him really likes him. And I fucking love it when people don't like him <laughs> do, you, do you know what i mean and i i'm yeah. like i laugh because i'm like they're they're wrong about him like they don't like him yet is what's happening there but there's something about that that's like and he's like what the fuck like why don't why don't they like me and i'm just like this is great like i can't believe i don't know there's just something hilarious about it to me um and this is sort of like this podcast reminds me of that it's like i mean hopefully it's not unbearably negative. I, I think it ends up being three relatively positive people trying to make sense of how they could even dislike something so much where it's like, I'm a positive person. I don't hate anything. And then you're like, hmm, maybe I do hate this. Yeah. If I'm being real, I hate this. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And um, I think it's okay to dislike a thing because that just forms your taste and informs the way that you like other stuff a lot. You know, you, you love things so deeply it only makes sense that you would have to have like some opposition in that. Do you know what I mean? I do. And what I found out is also um, by analyzing and kind of going further into why I dislike this, it's actually helped expand my mind and open my mind more, which is definitely always a great fringe benefit because it understands that uh, I don't necessarily need to shut down that kind of selfish perspective, but I understand that it mostly comes from a selfish perspective because I'm basically projecting my goals and my, uh, I guess, desire behind my creation to like towards this thing that predates me by decades, you know, so. Healing, healing, man. That's what it's all about. Yeah. Well, I think that's cool. And, you know, and I think that's somewhat, at least partially the goal. Mm -hmm. It's like underneath something that you think you dislike, maybe it's still, there's still love pushing that you know the love slash passion that you feel for things that you know you like might be pushing you know it's like the opposite magnetic pull or push or whatever of how you feel and then you're like yeah dude i hate this and then you're like well i mean i'm not gonna say that maybe you love this because clearly you don't (laughs) but maybe you don't maybe you don't dislike it as much as you thought you did and then you almost get to see yourself that's better for your record of thinking that you're a positive person. You get to be like, actually, maybe I'm even more positive than I thought I was. Maybe, but I know that I haven't. I wasn't able to become more positive until I accepted how negative yeah. I innately was. <laughs> the cynic. You have to. You have to accept the jaded asshole in you before you can be like, how can I turn this around? So look, you can't. I think yeah. uh, you can't like everything because then your liking of it is worthless. Yeah, yeah. It's like if you say "nice to meet you," I love you to every mm-hmm. person you meet. It's like then when you say like "I love you" to your grandma, she's like, "How do I really know yeah. that you really mean it?" 
He's, does your grandma ever say that to you? <laughs> My grandma says it to me all the time. <laughs> wow. <laughs> all right. Well, I feel satisfied with this conversation mm-hmm. and I, I really appreciate your time, Steve, and your time, Navid, and both of your talents and positive attitudes. Thank you so mm-hmm. much. Yeah. So take your time, Steve, and send a demo and, and then uh, we will create a beautiful cover together and then we'll talk again about how much we like it or not. Yeah. <laughs> okay. I look forward Me to too. it. Yeah. All right. All right. Peace, See, guys. Yeah. Uh, God damn it. How's everything going, guys? All right. Going all right. Yeah. So it's been four years since we started this. <laughs> and um, I don't know. It hasn't been that long. It's been a little bit since we started this. I mean, so let's talk. Let's break it down. What did we do? I mean, partially, I just feel like I didn't want this episode to end because I enjoy our texts conversation so much. I almost just want to start over, but I also want to let Steve off the hook emotionally, uh, psychologically get him in the clear at this point. Well, I would just like to say real quick that I agree with you. I have similar feelings and somewhere down the road, I mean, you probably have a wealth of far more interesting people and songs, but if you ever wanted me to do another one, I have I'm so, I have plenty of songs that I dislike, so <laughs> I would be happy to do another one with you guys someday. Awesome. Yeah. <laughs> oh, great. We'll definitely need to come back to you, Steve, because it's just been so fun. And um, the song is, I think the song's pretty good. So let's go over it. What happened? It's so hard to remember. Uh, when we last spoke... Steve, you're going to do a little something and send it to us, right? And that was like where we left off. Like you had some ideas and you're going to start it off. And you did. You started it off and you sent us a pretty a pretty full demo, I guess. It was guitar and vocals. It was, yeah. pr- it was pretty layered and pretty substantial. And uh, my first thought was that this sounds a lot, like it still sounded a lot like There She Goes as far as like we didn't change like the key or we didn't change... My worry was that we would get to the finish line and you would not be satisfied. Oh. But as we worked on it, even just every little inch, it got deeper into like whatever vibe we were creating with it. And it gets stuck in my head still, but in such a different way. It's not, you know what I mean? But I, I wonder how that is for you. Like, how, how do you feel about that? Well, I went through a mini saga of my own <laughs> upon the genesis of this. Like you said, eventually I ended up back at not changing it too much. I substituted the relative minor, which is E minor, for the G major, obviously in certain parts of the song. But harmonically, that renders it virtually the same because the melodies don't change. But to get there, I had to go through this whole odyssey through my own ego and my creative ego because my instant inclination was to be like, all right, well, we're just going to take this to this level. I'm going to add this and add this. And I actually had worked up maybe three or four other parts that were variations on the main melody and the main chord progression because I was being pulled by my ego and I'm like, I want to flex. And I didn't realize that I was having this emotion at first. I was like, it's such a simple song. I dislike it. I need to flex. So I recorded all this stuff as I was keeping you guys updated through the month of June and July because you know it took a couple months of me kind of Literally like going on bike rides and listening to the original and then listening to other bands and or other stuff that I've done that I wanted to incorporate. And so I built this gigantic structure of a song and I took a couple weeks away from it and I went back to listen to it. And all I could hear was 
my ego wanting to flex. And I realized a couple <laughs> things. I realized that I don't ever really want to write a hit song. Yeah. <laughs> and even if I did and I made it my sole focus in life, I would be horrible at writing a hit song and I never would be able to write one because that's just not me. And so I learned something about myself. That said, I listened to this elaborate technical version where I was like, I'm going to pull this thing from what it is into my realm and make it my thing. And when I listened back to it, I didn't have a good feeling about it. I didn't, didn't make me smile. It didn't bring any joy. So I scrapped 90% of it. I kept like a little bit of the busy riffs, which still exist. And I realized that it, it's a balance because when you're approached with this project, you don't know how to take it. Again, my instant reaction was to flex and be like, well, I want to show my skills and what I would do with the song. But then I was just like, at the same time, I started to appreciate it for its simplicity, which is the very thing that infuriates me about the song because the arrangement <laughs> is so, you know, I maybe I made this analogy before, but it's like you going to sit down to a meal and all you get is white rice. It's just, it's just the stock. It's just the foundation to me. That's what I hear in the song. So I stripped it all away. I got back to its essence and I said, well, I should understand the song at least. And stripping that back down and stepping aside from myself actually created a new respect for it. And through that new respect, I realized how much more I hated it. <laughs> how much more the song frustrated me because of the really just moronic arrangement of the parts. So um, sorry for the long-winded explanation, but that was kind of like the saga I went through to get back to the base of the version which we have now, which is kind of just going A, B, uh, bridge, A, A, and then adding a tail. Which had nothing to do with the song, which is like the stony trip out part at the end, which is my obviously my favorite part yeah. of the song. <laughs> Not because of what I did, but how uh, the bass guitar uh, repositioned it. And all the vocals and synth stuff that you added, Gabe. Um, and what that was about was that whole ending was my realization. That whole ending was my freedom from my ego of me wanting to flex on covering this song that I hate and feeling that kind of weight lifted and feeling yeah. this kind of just peaceful, happy joy about it. And so that whole guitar riff at the end and the vocal parts that I started were kind of just in that vibe. So yeah, that's my that's my view on on what we've done so far. I love it. I love it. A couple things about that. I mean, one, you were <laughs> you were I could it was palpable how much you were tripping on it. You know what I mean? Like you you text me and be like, dude, I don't know, man. You're you're having like a rough time, you know, living in that world. And um yeah. it was so funny. And I would, I would tell Navi, like, dude, Steve's really working on this, yeah. you know. He's really working on this, taking this really seriously. And it was it was a treat. It was funny. And then also, um, I know I started off like my position was that I liked this song, like the original, you know, but by the time we like got into it, I didn't, you know, anyone that, that kind of happened. <laughs> That kind of happens like a lot on when we do these songs, like you know. And I spoke already about the reasons why I liked it. So I married an axe murder and all that stuff. But yeah, so I can't, I can't talk about this piece of music 
from the perspective of somebody that's like that likes the original anymore but I could still say that like what we've done with it ultimately even the tale everything we did still belongs there you know what I mean like they're and I, and I say this in a in a positive way, but it's like we didn't stray too far that like if you loved this song, you'd be pissed. But we I think we got far enough away where if you don't like the song, you you still be stoked on what we made. Do you know what I mean? Like it's still like <laughs> choked on this word, like spiritually, <laughs> this same song. <laughs> if, if there she goes has a spirit at all, it's an evil spirit. But yeah. I think about that, too, like. I'm like, fuck this song. Anything I could do to change it, let's get the hell away from it. But then like when I try to think about what if I'm someone that really loves this song? You know what I mean? Like when I hear this cover, am I going to feel disrespected by it? Or am I going to feel like this is a tribute? You know what I mean? I feel like this is in that way still a tribute. It um it covers all the bases, which is I think is good. You know, it represents the likers of this song and the haters of this song in in its own way. So Yeah, I feel the same way and I'd be happy if it landed in that sweet spot where somebody, you know, still dug it. It's hard already not liking my voice, hearing my voice sing a song I don't like. But <laughs> that all leads back to another thing, which is I was really annoyed at myself, as I often am, at my instant inclination to do all the things I first did, which were all this complex, arduous work. I was annoyed that I couldn't just be like, dude, this is supposed to be fun. Just make some stuff that you like that's fun, that's fun to play. And I'm like this with everything I do, you know? And this is yet another reason why I annoy the shit out of myself on a regular basis. So I do appreciate you guys for putting me into this situation and honestly, sincerely giving me like mad teaching moments about my creative process and my creative ego, you know? So I, I very much appreciate that. I certainly gained a lot from this. That's for sure. That's great. That's that, wonderful. That's awesome. Yeah. Um, before we get too much deeper here, I have excuse me, some listener feedback about this song. I had put out a little Instagram poll and people responded. I just said, what's your opinion about the original There She Goes? The general vibe is that people like it and that it's just super catchy. Some specific comments were uh, Chloe says, I'd say good, but only maybe 45 seconds because the song is the same the whole time. That's right, Chloe. I agree. Derek says, good song. Also, the Sixpence version is good. Uh, <laughs> he just yeah. loves, I know. And then, um, you know, Lauren H. says, catchy as fuck. And uh, Hunter says, so in my head all the time. So I think just like the, the earworminess of this song is mainly what people have talked about. There's no debate on that part. Yeah, <laughs> it's, it's in there. Uh, yeah, no, agreed. Like, I'll ha- I had to, you know, this song was playing in my head all night. You know what I mean? Like, mm-hmm. Both versions, like yeah, yeah. So you know, funny thing about um, oh, I'm sorry, go on, Navi. Oh uh, no, you can say the funny thing. <laughs> I, mean, I don't know if it's funny. <laughs> I say I, I like to like preface that I'm going to be funny just so people will listen to me. Mm-hmm. That's like the only way I'm sort of taken <laughs> seriously, which I know makes no sense. But anyway, something hilarious is actually just my feelings. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but no, this I don't know if we talked about it last time, like seven months ago. But <laughs> this song is one of those. Well, I think what Chloe said about. 45 seconds is good. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? Like it is definitely one of those intro songs. And I think that's why probably it's so popular. Like to me, this might be controversial to some, but like the Rolling Stones are the same. Like Martin Scorsese uses the Rolling Stones intros in his films the right way. And then you're like, I love this song. And then you put it on. You're like, wait, this part for five minutes and 57 <laughs> seconds. That's horrible. Yeah. That's a horrible place to be that long. Each time you hear the intro repeat, <laughs> It gets worse. And it's like, 
not enjoyable. You know what I mean? Like they're such, that is so weird. And I know that it comes from some sort of like, you see them in concert and they just play it and you're just in it. And it, I'm sure that's gotta be enjoyable for a lot of people and stuff. But for me, like beast of burden, it starts and you're like, yeah, I like this. But like after a yeah. minute, I'm like, I don't wanna hear this ever fucking again, dude. Yeah. So like, it's just in that like camp of, the Friday I'm in Love With You song by The Cure, like mm. they use it in those, you know, Touchstone Pictures proudly yeah. presents. And it's like, boop, 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 boop. like it's good for that purpose. Yeah, but or it's like, that, um, it's not so great. Credence, uh, is, is it Fortunate Son? Yes, yes, yes. <laughs> That's enough. I actually like Credence enough to listen and because Fogarty has the most punk rock voice that was never in punk oh, rock. Oh, yeah. But um, <laughs> with what you guys were touching on, what you guys were talking about earlier is uh, what it makes me realize is it's a testament to the fact that there is such a diverse array of people listening to music for such a diverse array of reasons. People like me who dislike this repetitive stuff, like you said, Gabe, and Navid was talking about, I think we're similar in that oftentimes uh, we're looking for music that takes us on a journey, whether it does that musically or lyrically. Or both. But I realized that there are so many people that enjoy music in a totally different way. And for a long time, I couldn't understand it because, you know, it's common for people before they have a broader view of the world to not understand how people interact and enjoy things outside of how they do themselves. So I didn't understand that people could love music, but love it at a distance where they want it in the background, where they appreciate repetitive things like house music or a lot of electronic music that I hear them driving to or listening to while they're doing stuff. Whereas to me, that's one of the rings of hell from uh, Dante's Divine Comedy <laughs> is like eternal like house music or repetitive yeah. music. But I appreciate that there are people that that's their relationship with music or that's a good portion of their relationship to music because obviously we all want to listen to different things at different times for different reasons. Yeah, that's what it makes me realize. So I feel like maybe there's this type of listener that appreciates that late 70s uh, Rolling Stones or, you know, whatever it else it is that's pretty repetitive yeah. and and uh, I hate it. <laughs> to, to me, there is, there is repetitive music that I, that I like a lot. And I think it's the, like, why it's repetitive like, is the repetitiveness intentional? Like, minimalism, minimalistic music, like Philip Glass and people like that, composers like that. Like, right. that's the same part for 15, 20 minutes with just, like, right. minute changes in the rhythm or, like, like after minute five, they finally change one note and you're like, ah, oh, yes. Yeah. And that, like, the whole existence of the music is the repetitiveness of it. And I think that house music and, like, trance music and all those kind of EDM styles fall into that as well. And I'm not as offended by those but songs like this where it's just repetitive pop music that's to me that just feels like lazy songwriting well said i yeah, think that yeah. encapsulates it, it well yeah. and it makes me realize that i think a part of the frustrating repetitive natures of, of the song is the repetitive lyrics yeah like if you're gonna make the song repetitive at least make her go somewhere else or mm -hmm. you know you know what i mean like have something do something else and <laughs> there she goes there I, she went she's still going yeah different tenses look yeah, at her go. time travel here or something you <laughs> oh know? my god and where is she going where did yeah. she go yeah. where hath she gone you know but um i think navid was really onto something and i agree completely because i also enjoy repetitive music a la tortoise
I don't know what it is. Maybe it's that it's a little bit more, as Navid said, intentional, and there's a, a bigger grand design. Mm-hmm. Because when I listen to like Radiohead's national anthem, which is quite repetitive, it's the bass riff and the drums with various ambient sounds coming in and out mm-hmm. of the mix for what, however long, like a minute and 30. Or Mashuga songs, where it's just like one badass riff for a minute plus before it does anything else. Like, I can dig that, you know? Totally. Yeah. I was going to say, I, I think um, some people really want, like, instead of, like, the whole, like, a deep story, they want a, they want a headline. Like, they want to tap in. It's not as if it's not, I mean, it's still music. It's still an emotion, but it's, like, a less um, deep journey to get there. You know what I mean? You sort of just, like, you just pop open the page, and there you are. You're just tapped into the vibe of the song. You don't have to work to get there. You don't have to have patience to get There's not a departure from like where you, how you're feeling to, like you said, like a journey. It's not a journey. A lot of people just really want to just like, I press play and I'm there. You know what I mean? And they know where they're going. And you know, people that enjoy repetition like that. I mean, everyone does to some degree. We all like patterns, but especially when you've already heard it once before, there's something satisfying about like something that's easily predictable to you. You know what I mean? Like not being surprised by something. For me, I've always been more attracted to like, especially when I was younger, like I only like to listen to music that you had to kind of like figure it out. Like I like Dillinger Escape Plan. Because like after you heard it 30 times, you get it. You know what I mean? Now, honestly, like I can barely listen to Dillinger anymore. You know what I'm just like, enough. You know what I'm saying? Like same with like, I grew up so hard listening to Mr. Bungle. And now I'm just like, why'd they put all those fucking samples on there? It's hell annoying to listen to. And you know what I'm saying? So <laughs> there's definitely like an age and mood uh, aspect to all this, but I think a lot of people don't want to work for like their treats. And I, I'm not, yeah. you know, I don't have any, I don't have any judgment on someone that doesn't want to work for their treats. Like I eat, treats all the time so i get it some people just want something that's just really easy to digest and just put in your mouth and taste it and it's not an (laughs) everlasting gobstopper it's just a normal gobstopper Mm -hmm. totally i I guess getting back into the the cover itself now um once you got over yourself and decided to uh (laughs) to uh yeah no that's the right way to say it bro i mean yeah no i mean i think we've all we've all gone through that um you know, once you arrived at where the song, where you wanted it to be, what riff did you start with? Like, which which guitar part was the was the kind of that thing, or like, how did you start the? Yeah, so it started with that because um, I got these vibes of there's this old sub pop records band called Five Style. Mm-hmm. that I really liked and they played this like kind of frenetic kind of almost bluegrass country punkish type stuff. Mm -hmm. That sounds bad. That sounds like it's like Hank Williams, the third or something like that, (laughs) but no, it's like this instrumental, really smart riffy tech. So it was that fast riff because I was feeling those vibes and I was particularly frustrated with the the main guitar part, which is just the intro guitar mm-hmm. part. And I'm like, this runs so much and it drives me absolutely insane. So this is a one, five, four chord progression. Mm-hmm. This is very simple. You can do so many things over it. 
I just liked something that sounded like cascading, kind of flowing, cascading. It's a, akin to kind of like a kind of not heavy waterfall, just falling down. And, you know, that's how I was like in my stone mind was viewing totally. it. Totally, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, and then you have that kind of like choppy tremolo rhythm guitar going on. Was that, is that It's just, not that aggressive, Gabe. Yeah. Come on. <laughs> it's like, it's like, <laughs> and you're like, ah, <laughs> I'm Steve Choi, motherfucker. Listen to this. <laughs> it's, it's, like, actually yeah, it's like that movie from Home Alone. Which is, you know, a cool rhythm I like. Yeah. That's gentler, yeah, way gentler. Um, I had it like so way was that like aggressive. a was that like a tremolo pedal that you're using, or is there like a fancy effect you're using for that? That might have been Sound Toys Crystallizer or Echo Boy. I forget, but obviously it's like a rhythmic gate. It's basically all it is, and I just was messing with the quantizing of the beats it was hitting and. I got it to the point where it didn't sound too sample yeah. and wasn't kind of creating crazy polyrhythms that would be weird because I knew that Gabe was playing drums on top of all mm-hmm. this stuff. And I didn't want to just keep both left and right rhythm guitars. I didn't want to keep them super simple because that would add to the frustrating aspects of the song to me. So it was finding a balance between not having it be obnoxious and imposing but still creating ear candy. So in case anybody is listening to this podcast or listens to the version of the song in headphones as opposed to in a stereo, uh, it would be way more interesting to listen to because to me, panning is everything in modern mixes. Mm -hmm. Yes, using the power of our digital workstations. Yeah, and stereo projection and manipulating Mm -hmm. that, especially, you know, it's like such a huge part of creating a listening experience for people. For sure, yeah. And then Gabe, you laid down some sick, some sick drums. Yes, he did. Oh, yes, he did. Arguably sick drums, but I think there was vocals first already. There she goes. There she goes again. Steve, before I like did. you basically, mm-hmm. I did, and that was one of the things I stripped back. Yeah, and then I did um, drums and just some backstory on where I was emotionally with this. Like I hadn't been drumming at all because we had the fires going on. Um, we already had yeah. COVID going on and I couldn't get to my kit. I played like drums like five times in eight months or something, which, you know, for me, I play drums all the time, ideally. And I grew up playing drums always. So it was rough for me when I, I finally could just like carve out some time when there wasn't like smoke in the air and shit to go like drum. I it was so rusty, <laughs> like not that I haven't experienced that feeling before, but like it's it's so depressing when you're like, okay, what I want to articulate is there. And my my abilities to articulate, like my actual dexterity wasn't there. And I was so frustrated, man. And I I mean, the song's like two minutes. I mean, it took me it took me like an hour, which is not that long, but I, I was really I was really frustrated and really bummed, you know? Like for me, there was a kind of an emotional journey in it where it was just like, oh, I have to really like be accepting of where I'm at with my playing right now. And, you know, I'm, I'm not top of my game or anything, but I was still, I still try to have a good time. And I had some fleeting ideas of what I wanted to try to say and what I wanted to do and like what parts of the guitar I wanted to accent, which parts I didn't. And then I was kind of trying to think like, what would, what's Navi going to be doing on bass? I was thinking, I was overthinking this thing maybe a little bit too, but um, yeah, anyway, I laid down drums and I think it sounded okay. 
I think it sounds cool. <laughs> I also think it sounds cool. Yeah. And then, I mean, we'll just, uh, I then added the bass and you know, I think Gabe, you maybe kind of half jokingly were like, oh, like it's really simple. Like l- you should like complicate it on the bass, like change like the harmonic structure of it. And so I, I did that and we kind of listened to it and it's like, no, like just like play the root notes. <laughs> I think we all kind of did the same thing with the song where it's like, okay, this is really simple. I got to, I got to fancy this up and you do it. You're like, yeah, that doesn't work. Just play the simple stuff, and I'm pretty stoked with how it turned out, personally. Yeah, me, t- me too. And I did some vocals, like harmonies and stuff, and some kind of weaving vocal parts. Racing through my brain. Oh. Yeah, that vocal stuff is great. Mm-hmm. Thanks. Yeah, I think I think it's cool. It's got it's got an interesting vibe. It's definitely uh, different from the original in ways that I think are positive, and I think it's got something for the tech techie, uh, not techie, but you know, technical like music nerd person would have some fun stuff to like listen to. But it's also I think digestible, which is cool. I would love to get hyped to this at a house show. Yeah, <laughs> all I could think the whole time it's like, man, like I wish we could play this at a little house show having the crowd dancing around to it. That's a great emotional response mm-hmm. to the song. If it brings like this image of jubilation with close friends in a, in a tight space, you know what I totally. mean? Totally. But yeah. um, I don't want to brush over Navid's bass playing because actually in the original version, the bass is non-existent. <laughs> like you can't hear it. Like it's, it's like not doing anything. Mm-hmm. I think what we ended with was only like two note changes away from one of the main versions we started with on the bass. Mm-hmm. And there was just that second chord in the A part that I felt like was good, but took it into like a jazzy territory. For sure. Yeah. Um, the reason I'm started saying this is because I actually think hearing the bass guitar throughout like makes the song way better, mm-hmm. <laughs> honestly. Yeah. Especially to me, even though you're not really perceiving the bass right away on the whole tale of the th- song, which is the whole like uh, toadstool and the princess take acid together <laughs> type thing. Um, for me, actually, the MVP is the bass part. Oh, there. Thank you, thank you. Because everything else creates the repetitive clouds or the, the scenery, the forest or whatever. But actually what's taking uh, us sonically through that part is the bass guitar. Mm-hmm and the lines that it's doing. And it's, you know, obviously it's not, it's a subtle thing. And to me is like super crucial because it would have been so different there if the bass was just playing the root notes and stuff. And I think the tone of the bass is great. I like the tone of the finger plucking there. It's just, it all works really well. Oh, thank you. Shout out to Universal Audio for making a nice uh, interface that I can plug in DI. <laughs> yeah, dude. Yeah. Um, there is a secret agenda to this podcast and, and it is getting Navid to play bass because I, you know, I grew up with Navid as a bass player, you know, and Navid is a wonderful bass player and Navid is a wonderful everything player. So it doesn't really matter. But as time progressed, Navid's playing mostly guitar and keys in Trebuchet in his band and it's great. I have no complaints. But when we do this, I'm always like, 
I want I want Naveed playing bass. I'm always like, what? Maybe Naveed could play some bass <laughs> on here. You know, I'm always like, come yeah. on, Naveed. So it, I feel I I absolutely agree with you, uh, Steve, and I'm glad that you see uh, the strength. I feel like Naveed would wear his bass like slightly above the belly button, but below the nipples, yeah. like right there in the middle, <laughs> at a very uh, pragmatic height. Is that true, or am I totally? That's a good off? question. No, I I it's like right at the belly button. Oh, okay. Yeah. So you're still at the you're at the end of the cool guy range. I am. Yeah, I'm at the you know? at the yeah. highest okay. point of <laughs> still still looking cool. Um. Uh, so yeah, I mean, okay. And so, I mean, I guess we sort of touched on this, but just as sort of like a conclusion, like, how are y'all feeling? How do you feel, Steve, about what we've done with this cover? I feel good. I honestly feel like it exceeded any sort of expectations that I would have had. And it's not because of what I did. It's because of what you guys did. And it was really fun to collaborate with you guys on something that had no pressure other than the annoying egotistical pressure I put on myself. So uh, thank you guys for making this project like so fun and the end product so cool because uh, that was everything for me. I'm grateful. Awesome. Thank you. This was this was a blast to do. Do you want to promote yourself? I don't know if I have anything to promote. Like, you know, every other asshole out there, I started my own podcast yeah. called The Musicians Guild, where I just kind of talk very uh mellowly and have like just conversations with my friends. But other than that, you know, um I was just happy to be a part of this. And I honestly I'm really grateful that you guys included me because the concept is great and it was so fun yeah uh your podcast is great steve it's awesome oh thank you man thank you so much i'm still uh uh, very insecure about it because i'm still trying to get my footing and figure out what i'm doing so i really appreciate that you might have more episodes how many episodes are you at I just made my 13th episode today and it gets <laughs> goes out at 12.01 a.m. That's amazing. So. I like that from the time that we started this episode to now, you started your own <laughs> podcast at 13 episodes and we still haven't finished this one episode. <laughs> Which is like episode four? It's and- numbered episode four. Um, yeah. but, but I have to say... You guys picked a very daunting premise for a podcast, which is what makes it so awesome. You guys aren't doing what 99% of podcasters are doing, which is, let's get on Zoom, let's record it, let's just throw it up from the Zoom recording. It makes total sense that it took us four years to get this yeah. episode done. <laughs> yeah. Honestly. Thank you, Steve. Um, well, well, Navid, how do you feel about it? Are you you're happy with the cover? Yeah, I'm stoked on it. Um, I don't remember what I said in the first part about how I feel about the song. But I don't think I was against it. it. Once I listened to it closely, I was like, oh, that is, uh, that is very repetitive. <laughs> I think it's super fun. I think it's super fun, uh, what, what we came up with. Uh, I love the energy. Um, I think the guitar parts and all the vocals that you guys both did really keep the attention the whole time. Too, and that you kind of find new things to to listen to as you go through it a few times because like I I mixed the songs like I heard it a ton and I never was like ugh like I got to hear this again <laughs> yeah really good energy and um, super fun like I said I want to I would love to rock out to this song with with some friends in person that makes me feel really good that Navi didn't get totally irritated with this song having to mix yeah. it go through different that's the uh, true mix revisions. yeah that's the true uh, tell right one thing I forgot to mention though. Uh, real quick is that I really like Gabe's fill in that break because I kept telling him 
I want you to play a fill in that break. And it's, it's the one right after the bridge part that we added. And in my mind, I was expecting this rhythmic, like, like maybe triplets or something like that. But when I first heard, you know, I could, I didn't even know the saga that Gabe was going through with not playing as much as he wanted, not being where he wanted. I still totally got this vibe of like it, that Phil just being like this release because it is still like kind of on the eighth note, but it's kind of dragged back. So it kind of feels like it's off the beat and it's just kind of like this blah, blah, blah. In context to the rest of the song being so rhythmically like da, 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 and on, I think it's just adds a really cool vibe. Mm-hmm. So I really like that, that feel. I'm so glad. You know, I had it as a space. I was like, because they're so frantic and cuckoo beans, this, like everything we're doing, I was like, I'm just going to fucking put a space here, you know, yeah. like a good rest. And you were like, no, dude, you got to put something in there. So actually what I did, <laughs> I think I just grabbed some part of that I had deleted and just like put it <laughs> put it in there or something. Oh, you naughty boy. Yeah, I think I just, I just dragged it. And I was just doing it to make myself laugh. I was just like... <laughs> This is that's the kind of fill that I would uh, make myself laugh with, yeah. like just like that. Yeah. Like it is kind of silly. It's um, it's like gospel chops or something, you know, that kind uh-huh. of drumming. Where it's just like I don't know. I could go go on all day about gospel chops, but uh, so so sorry, I just looked it I up. Think so Debussy once said, uh, "Music is the space between the notes." Yeah, that's one of my favorite quotes, yeah. and I've lived by that forever mm-hmm. because it sounds like some sort of like. Uh, Miyagi philosophical type thing but when you look at that quote literally no it's it's true like yeah. just like a house is the space in between the walls mm-hmm. it's not the walls itself it's literally the same with music totally so. uh, but I'm glad you like the drum fill and I, I mean oh my god you guys both rip and Steve it's just been a pleasure making music with you and Navi getting you to play bass I love it so much and it's worth saying that I, we appreciate your vulnerability and appreciate your um you suffering through this and I'm glad that I'm glad that you're feeling good now and I hope that your relationship with this song is healed and then we can get to one of the other ones you hate next time. (laughs) (laughs) I I know that I'm going to venture into a different realm of hate if I ever get to do this again. So my relationship with the song is the same, but through this, (laughs) through this, my relationship with uh, my own hangups and how I perceive things and how I appreciate them and learning more about myself as a songwriter, a la I am the anti-hit songwriter, uh, was all really valuable. So, yeah. That's great. That's maybe the biggest accomplishment we've had yet. Usually it's yeah, just like, no, I like the song now. <laughs> totally. That's Legit. Very, very deep. That's a deeper yeah. uh, healing process that I could have even really uh, predicted. Yeah. So I'm really yeah, glad. Yeah, dude. It's so annoying still, though. I'm just like, why the fuck couldn't I just been like, yeah, I don't like this song. Let's do a cover. Easy peasy, boom. I'm like, I have to like overthink everything. I have to like be so... Koreans are just so extra. We're just so extra, (laughs) you know? You can't help it. So I'm working on it. Yeah. I'm glad this has served as some sort of a therapeutic situation for you, you know, to exercise that a little bit. Everything is becoming therapeutic lately because we don't have as many distractions with with all the chaos in the world. So uh, all that energy spent running around and being on tour and making records, it's all just focused back inward. Right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, totally. Uh, all right. Well, you guys are both wonderful, wonderful guys. And thank you both so much for your hard work. And uh, anything else to add? 
I still hate the song. Yeah. <laughs> I hate the original more than I did when we started. <laughs> Definitely. Then, then my job is complete. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. No, totally. Success all the way around. Yeah. All right. Well, thanks a lot. And without further ado, there's... Oh, wait. We have to mention this. <laughs> At some point, Steve texted me and was like, Maybe we should do it like a pirate version called Thar She Blows. <laughs> <laughs> and I was like, holy shit, I love it. So I actually did a version called, like, I did a That's version right. that was yeah. Thar She Blows. So oh. I hope that you could play a little clip of Thar She Blows and maybe we could just put it on the band camp too. Yes. Okay, here is uh, There She Goes by the Gabe Steve Navid Experience. Yeah. Bye, guys. <laughs> Bye. Bye-bye. Bye. Quit it. Come on, knock it off.